You're listening to From Fear to Love. I'm your host, Alma Lee. So I'm sitting here in my office and waiting for the train to stop with the horn and the traffic in the street outside my house to slow down. And I realized that the message that I am uh, creating today in this episode of From Fear to Love is one of radical acceptance. And so I just realized that I need to radically accept the fact that there is going to be noise and interruptions as I proceed to record this for you today. So (laughs) it's interesting. It's interesting how that concept kind of plays itself out in my life. Um, Radical acceptance. You ever heard of that term before? Radical acceptance. So what is radical acceptance? Why am I talking about that today? Well, basically... When we have distress, when we have distress of any kind in our life, it's because we have um, an expectation or an attachment, if you will, to a particular outcome. Case in point, let me, this is, uh, I I like to use generalities. Um, A lot of times when I speak to you, when I give you like a, a scenario or an example, I want to do so sort of in a composite Uh, meaning that I take a lot of different scenarios and I kind of blend them all together. This is uh, something that I do not to be murky, but as an intention of providing safety and confidentiality. I don't want anyone listening to this podcast to think, oh God, she's talking about me. Um, Anytime I write the uh, characters in my my book, uh, But Who's Gonna Wipe Your Ass, the one that's Uh, coming out May, May 25th is when it will be available for purchase. The characters in that book are composites. And so when I speak to you on this, on this uh, podcast, I do the same thing. So here's a, here's an example of what radical acceptance uh, looks like. So let's get back on the, on track here. Radical acceptance is not approval. It's not, uh, it doesn't mean that you agree. It just means that you accept something at face value. You accept reality as it stands. It's just completely and and totally accepting everything about it, a circumstance, about a scenario, a situation. And you do that with the intention of reducing or or completely withdrawing your distress about a situation. Um, If you've been listening to this podcast or if you've been watching uh, anything that I do in social media, for example, or if you've ever worked with me, you know that I have said numerous times that attachment is the root of all suffering. And that's the Buddha. The Buddha says that attachment is the root of all suffering. And it's so true. It is so true. And the distress that we feel because we are attached to a particular outcome is something that I work with in my psychotherapy with people, with clients, because it's unnecessary. It really is. It really is because we are fixated on a particular outcome that we feel is going to provide us with some sense of, of, of safety, of, of compassion, of, um, you know, pleasure. If you are dating someone and everything's going great and all of the right things are being said and all of the right things are being done, and then all of a sudden it comes to a screeching halt. And you don't know why, because there's, there's no reciprocal communication or maybe the other person in that situation has changed their mind or has taken a different turn or maybe they went and started dating someone else. 
Where's the, where is the distress in that? Well, the distress in that is that there was a, an attachment created in that dynamic, in that situation, scenario, whatever you want to call it, based upon an expected outcome. Maybe that person told you, hey, I, I love you. I want to spend my life with you. I, I think you're wonderful. I think you're perfect. You know, love bombed you and created a, a, a sort of a mindset of this hope, this hope for the future, this hope that, oh, finally, you know, I've met this person who is going to connect with me on the level that I feel like I deserve and that I seek. And then it goes away. And I've, I've worked with, uh, I've worked with numerous men and women alike in, in situations like this, where the other person all of a sudden just changed their mind and then did not communicate that they changed their mind. They just kind of ghosted them or left them in the cold. So there's an attachment there, right? There's distress. What's the distress? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what that distress looks like. And keep in mind that this is just an example. You could be attached to an, an object. You could be attached to a sentimental item, something from your childhood that you lost or, you know, something that was um, destroyed in a fire or maybe a car that you'd had for years in a car accident. You know, uh, anything that you are attached to, any, an expectation of a promotion at work. So that's what I want to kind of throw that out there for the benefit of the listener for you is it can be anything. I'm just using a relationship as an example. But you have an attachment. You have this expectation. And you get it wound up in your, in your mind that something is going to happen or provide you with a particular outcome. And then that's gone. And so the distress from that, that situation lies in the expectation of something to occur that you originally expected and now it's been taken away. So there's, a whole, there's a t an awful amount of pain in that because you can't control it. You really can't. So radical acceptance, what is that? Well, it's reality. This person that professed to love you, wanted to be with you, maybe they mentioned marriage, all of a sudden is gone. Poof, they're out of there. They said one thing and did another. That's not fair, is it? That's not right for somebody to... You know, it, it feels like a complete and total lie. It, it feels like you were taken advantage of. It feels like they did it from the beginning as a means to manipulate you. And you feel foolish on the other end of that, right? I've experienced that. I've experienced that uh, uh, foolishness when, when you connect with someone that is not at your level. I've experienced it more times than I can count. I have an enormous amount of empathy to my clients who, who go through this level of distress. But what's the difference between me and someone who is struggling? Well, I practice radical acceptance. I practice it. I practice it and it alleviates probably half of the distress that you have to that attachment. And it helps you to, to remove the attachment as well from that particular outcome by just simply accepting reality. And it's quite literally the mindset of it is what it is. When you ever heard that, have you ever said that? It is what it is. It is what it is. That in and of itself is radical acceptance. It is what it is. And then you provide yourself with the sanctity of taking your own power back out of that situation because you have observed it as it is in its reality, in its shape, in its fashion, however it presents to you that the 
original attachment, the original expected outcome has changed. You're not going to be with that person any longer. You're not going to have that car any longer because it was in an accident. You lost your, your baby blanket in the fire or your favorite book or your stuffed animal or whatever in the fire. Your expected outcome has shifted. When you sit down and you consciously and willfully accept reality, you lessen your distress. It doesn't make the pain go away. I'm not sitting here and, and telling you that, you know, when you practice radical acceptance that all of your attachments and all of your pain will go away. No, that's not what I'm saying. You know, that's the grief aspect of the loss. That's the grief that you will absolutely process through. And over time, it will lessen. But it is what it is. You know, I think about Stephen Covey, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, you know what you know what I'm talking about if uh, if you're familiar. So he talks about circle of influence and circle of concern, and I love what he's done with that. But I like to simplify. You basically just take a, a circle, you know, and you include all of the things that you're concerned about. You're concerned about your health. You're concerned about your your children's health, your children's well-being, your friends, the things that you care about, you put that in a circle. And then in another circle, you put in the things that you can affect and influence, like to, to the degree that you can influence. In other words, you can positively affect your own personal health by taking better care of yourself, by not practicing harmful uh, habits, you know, that you exercise, you drink water, and you avoid using drugs and alcohol. You know, you know the you know the soup du jour, the the things that you need to do in order to maintain your health. But you also have to understand too that there's a limitation to that because you have the components of uh, genetics, and you're predisposed uh, genetics to that. And you know, but you can definitely influence that. So that it, these are the things: your circle of concern, and then your circle of influence. And the things that you can influence, how much influence do you have? How much control do you have over the things that you're concerned with? And wherever those circles overlap is where you should invest your emotional energy. Everything else, you just kind of have to radically accept it at face value. There are things out there that you can influence that you don't really care about. You know what I'm saying? You can influence certain things that are not something that you choose to invest your emotional energy in. But the things that you care about and the things that you can influence, wherever those two circles overlap is where you should invest your time and energy and your efforts. I was talking to someone recently about something that was deeply personal, and uh, it was in regards to um, childhood memories and having lost a lot of those memories due to a... Uh, this individual had a, an event that caused them to lose memory. And, you know, the, the distress that this person expressed to me, you know, I, I listened in this conversation, I listened to what they were saying, and I listened to the distress. And the things that they were, you know, talking about was, you, you know, you can't possibly understand what it's like to lose a part of yourself. And so we talked about that and I asked him, I said, you know, what is it, uh, what is it that you fear? What is it? Where's the distress? Because with any situation, with anything that we um, try to navigate in this life, especially when it's causing us problems and pain, 
we need to understand why. We need to understand why is it causing distress? Why is it causing pain? What, what is the connection? Where's the connection? Because here's the thing. You can't control what other people do, think, say, or feel. I mean, you might be able to possibly influence it a little bit. But overall, you can't control anything else outside of yourself. You can only control two things, your actions and your reactions. This person and I were talking about the distress that he was feeling in regards to the loss of some memories. And, um, and I said, well, why do you care? Because that's what I do. I mean, I, I ask those, those kind of those hard-hitting questions. It's not, to, it's not to put people on the defense. It's more or less just to get them to think about why they're upset and where is the attachment. Like, if you forgot about something, why should you care about it? Well, I think that I should care about having those memories. Well, why do you think that you should care about having those memories? Well, I feel like, you know, my sibling has memories and I don't. Okay, what's, you know, again, digging in deeper. Where's the attachment? Where's the pain? Where's the distress? I think you could shift that perspective. I would offer up a, an alternative viewpoint in that, Maybe, you know, you might not have the memories of the positive things, but you also don't have the memories of the trauma. And then uh, this, this person, he goes into to detailing, well, I feel like I should. And so here's what we, we ironed this out. After, you know, a lot of back and forth and the questions, it really is just rooted in a sense of worthiness of self. It is the distress that this person was feeling was directly related to I feel like I'm not earning my keep when it comes to these relationships. But you can't control it. If the memories are gone and you don't have the recollections, why worry about it? Well, I feel like I'm not doing my part. You feel like you're not doing your part because you're expecting the external validation and feeling like you should be something or someone for someone else. So it's deeply rooted in a sense of worthiness of self. If I feel completely confident in myself, and I know that I have value as a person, and I have a brain event that causes me to lose part of my memory, my, my go-to, my uh, reaction and response to the loss of my memory, because I'm a confident person and because I know my self-worth, is not going to be rooted in a distressful re response that's based on, well, I feel like I'm not connecting with these people. I'm not going to feel that way. If I'm confident and I feel like I have self-worth, my response to that is not going to be one of deprecation. It's not going to be one of feeling, oh God, I, I can't do this for these other people. I'm not going to think that way because I'm not going to feel that my worthiness is tied up in what I can do for other people. At some point in the game, you have to realize and you have to get to a point of frustration where you're just tired of actively seeking the validation from other people. You've got to radically accept reality. And this is what I was conveying to my, my client is you cannot control where those memories are. You can't control it. You can't change it. You can't change it. The response, the distress, the self-implied um, self-deprecation that my client was engaging in was a direct response to, I need to express to other people how badly I feel that I am no longer capable of contributing to these types of discussions or having a, um, 
a memory to participate in these relationships with. And so what I did was I explained to him is you're just going to have to shift. That is now your reality. You don't have to like it. You don't have to approve it. You don't have to say this is okay with me. It doesn't have to be okay in order to accept it and accept reality. I think that a lot of the distress that my clients feel, and I know that I felt this way as well, is rooted deeply in the wounded inner child, the wounded child. A lot of what we do say, think, and feel as adults is directly correlated to the wounded child. And in our interactions with other people, the activities that we engage upon in our brain, in our self, is directly related to protection of that inner child. The inner child who got yelled at, the inner child who was abused, neglected, abandoned, and we fulfill all of our roles as adults in a complete and total response to that, to that child. And we don't have to. And this is a part of that process is to radically accept your reality. To radically accept your reality is to shift your entire focus is to alleviate a necessary vacuum of your emotional energy. Do you ever just get sick and tired of being sick and tired? Do you ever get tired of feeling upset all the time? Do you ever get tired of feeling like you don't matter to other people? And here's the thing about that. Maybe you don't. Ah, did you ever think about that? Maybe you don't matter to the people that are in your circle. Now, here's what I want to say about that. I am a pretty confident person. I I feel very comfortable in my skin and where I'm at today. I know my worth. I I know what I will and will not tolerate uh, in the interactions that I have with anybody, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. Whoever is in my space, I have a very firm identity of my boundaries, my strengths, what I offer. I'm pretty confident and comfortable in that. But the thing about all of that is when I express that openly, I always want to add the caveat, I'm not special. I'm not special. I'm not, there is nothing that is, uh, that I have that you don't have. I firmly believe that. I don't think that when I say that I'm confident, when I say that I'm comfortable and in my skin and I know my worth, but I'm not special is exactly what I mean. Because I believe that everyone has the capacity to feel about themselves the way I feel. Now, that being said, I, I know that if I were to associate with people who didn't appreciate that about me, that didn't care about me, that didn't see my value or agree with how I felt about myself, I'm certain that there are people out there in the world that I could encircle myself with. And, and just have nothing but people, negative haters in my, in my atmosphere. I think that's possible. I could absolutely do that. And then, you know, what's the point in that? What's the point in keeping people around you that don't see your worth, that don't magnify your sense of positive self-image? So why am I talking about that? Well, the thing is, is that you have the choice. You have the ability to radically accept the environment that you're in, to accept the fact that there are people in your circle that don't give a shit about you. They don't care about you. And it is what it is, just like what I was saying earlier. What can you do about it? Once you accept the reality of what you're in, what you're facing, how you're feeling, 
then you can make changes. Then you can change. If you accept the fact that there are people in your circle that don't care about you, or worse, they're toxic and they want to see you fail because it makes them feel better about themselves and, and everything that they're experiencing. But once you realize that and you accept reality, then you can make changes. What would you want to do at that point? My perspective, and I have done this more times than I can really recollect, is I just release myself. Uh, there are people that have been in my life for a season, for a reason, you know, for the lifetime. And it's, I, there's no judgment there. Everybody has their own path. And we tend to outgrow people. And there have been people that have let me go for the same reason, no doubt. But I can tell you right now that the distress that the majority of my clients face, they're tantamount to attachment. And so here's the takeaway. When you radically accept whatever condition that is, someone said they loved you and then they decided they didn't. You bought a car, you've been making payments on it, you got into a car accident, the car's gone, you got to get a new car. Your house burned down, family, childhood family home, your favorite blanket, your stuffed animal, your diary, your computer, you lost some things, things that are irreplaceable. There's distress in that because there's an attachment. When you radically accept reality, my computer, my baby blanket, um, that person, my car, I didn't get the promotion at work. When you accept, radically accept that as reality, then you've removed part of the distress so now you can make changes. That person doesn't care about me anymore. That person told me that they love me, but they changed their mind. I need to go and figure out what it was about me that drew that person in. Why was I attracted to that person to begin with? Learn and grow. I have photographs of my baby blanket. I have memories. And that's all I have left of that. And that I need to realize and accept the reality that I'll never hold that again. I'll never smell my baby blanket or my stuffed animal or be able to write in the diary that my grandmother gave me when I was eight or whatever sentimental item. It's gone. It's gone. You don't have to like it. You don't have to approve of it. But when you accept it, you can move on. And then you can start making healthier decisions that are in alignment with a healthy future. Choosing to learn, choosing to grow, choosing to evolve. That comes from radical acceptance, from just being aware and accepting reality. And that's it. You guys have a great day. From fear to love, this has been an LBM production. Please like, subscribe, and share this show. Thanks for listening.